Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Right around the Merry corner. Christmas. Right around the corner. It's a it's a Christmas year. Very exciting. Yes. Um, uh, Sometimes they're separated by several weeks. This this time it's overlapping. It's overlapping. Um, I think it's. I think Christmas is night seven. If I remember correctly. Um, uh, last night, the, the traditional uh, share Hanukkah donuts, which were a big hit. Uh, we, and we did the latkes uh, for the first night. So that, that's all my kids know about Hanukkah is latkes and donuts and, and, and the menorah. That, that's, a, that's, that's the extent of our, our, our Jewish heritage. But, that, that's, that's but I enough. mean, you know, Hanukkah is not the big Jew, one of the big Jewish holidays either, right? I mean. No, and I've tried to, and I've tried to communicate to, to them. I mean, understand that I, uh, I'm half Jewish, but I, I didn't, uh, but I was nominally raised Catholic. So I didn't, so I didn't celebrate Jewish holidays in my household. Although I grew up in a very Jewish area, so it wasn't like a foreign concept. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I tried to explain to the kids that because I was like, "Why are we? Why do we do this?" And I was like, "Well, I'm just trying to communicate that you have you have you have different ancestry in, in your in your family, and we're more than one thing." Da 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 da. Uh, it's not just about religion; it's about culture, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so I've tried to say to them that, and they're like, why are there so many Christmas songs, not a lot of Hanukkah songs? I'm like, well, you know, one, there's not a lot of Jews. David <laughs> Lee Jews. Roth lights uh, the menorah. Right. right. <laughs> um, That's a classic. And, uh, uh, it has become a classic. You know, it's, it's, it's really not, actually not a Hanukkah song. It's, it's just a list of people who are Jewish. It's not about the day or the spirit or anything. Well, okay, you know the Bare Naked Ladies have a very good holiday album, yeah. Um, which has some really good. Well, it's weird because it's got it's a combination of like ridiculous songs that I hate that are just mm -hmm. silly, probably for little kids. I don't know. Then it's mm -hmm. got some really good Christian religious Christmas carols, mm -hmm. and then it's got a couple of Hanukkah songs, mm -hmm. um, which are really I think pretty good. So I don't know if you've heard that, but but I recommend I've only, it. I've, I've heard the Green Christmas song off of that album, but I don't think I've heard the whole album. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I used to be really good at like keeping track of all the Christmas music in the world, all the holiday music in the world, and I feel like in the Spotify era, I'm like I'm woefully behind, and so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to catch up. Well, one of my all-time favorites, and this this probably goes back to the 1970s, is the Charlie Pride. Christmas in my hometown album, mm. which I grew up listening to, and it it whole it stands the test of time. I mean, if you don't like country music, you're not going to like it. But yeah. it is uh, it's a great album, and I think underrated. I never hear it on the radio. I really I really dislike most country Christmas songs. I hear. I mean, I, I like Christmas Me songs that are, that are that are offbeat, and the Christmas country songs are like particularly saccharine and bland and uninteresting. I mean, I'm sure there are I totally agree. I totally agree with you, which is which is why I, I point this one out as a as really a standout. Um, now the and song it's, it's I'm got, loving. Sorry, go on. Uh, I was going to say it, it's a great combination. The Charlie Pride is a great combination of like standards and originals, and uh, Santa, you know, secular stuff and devout religious stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a great combination of that. Now, he died of COVID. He died of COVID, by the way. I think a I year know, or two ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Christmas song that I'm loving uh, more than almost any other one right now, I, which I discovered last year, and I was late on it, uh, is "I Wish It Was Christmas Today" by uh, one of the singers from The Strokes. I, f I forget his Julian Casablancas. Am I pronouncing his name right? I don't um, know, but I heard. I just heard it recently. Which is a version of the song that was initially on SNL with Horatio Sands and Jimmy Fallon and uh, Chris Catan and Tracy Morgan. I mean, essentially it's a Horatio Sands number that the other ones, you know, chimed in on. And in, to my mind, as an SNL bit, it is terrible. It is like 100% filler, there's nothing interesting about it. It's just basically like, here's a dippy song that I made and we're going to play it. And 
we get away with it because we're on SNL. Like there's just there's there's it's not even a sketch, you know. It's just them playing the song and being a little goofy. Um, like when they did Hallelujah after Trump, you know, after Trump not won. Quite, not was... quite the same vibe. <laughs> <laughs> different different subtext there. But I that that era of SNL I don't care for. Uh, and it really felt like uh, just a total, you know, mailing it in kind of effort. And so I'm fascinated that it was able to be made into like an absolute killer Christmas song. The bare bones of the yeah, song a, was the there. The kids are calling it a banger Christmas song. That's what you know, I'm I almost hearing. said that until I realized how stupid it would be coming out of my mouth. So I didn't. Um, uh, and there actually is a clip of it on, on Jimmy Fallon's at the, the Tonight Show where like him and Horatio Sands start doing it the SNL way. And then it segs into... The Strokes way, and they come on and do it with with Julian. It's it's it's, it's impressive. So uh, I I can't get enough of that song. I should probably uh, mention some of the 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 stuff that I like to watch with the family in this season. Of course, Elf is a is a staple. Um, we've been watching, as you know, Bill, the Santa Clauses, the on Disney, uh, the Tim mm-hmm. Allen uh, reboot uh, vehicle. Um, I'm a big fan. This is probably controversial. I'm a big fan of the Bill Murray Christmas. Uh, special the, on the, Netflix. The special. Uh, I've, never, yeah. I've never seen the special. I, I like Scrooge. Um, not a big fan of Scrooge. However, uh, one of my r- standards is um, The Man Who Invented Christmas, which is about it's the story of Charles Dickens as a writer. And he's down on his luck. He's, he's, he's out of money. And he has to write a Christmas Carol. And he's got like two months to do it which if you've ever written a book, as you have, you know that that's a pretty quick turnaround. That's on the list. Um, I also like the the Andy Griffith Christmas special. I like, not to be confused with Bill Murray, I like how Murray saved Christmas, the cartoon. Have you seen this? Mm, no. It's uh, it's Jerry Stiller is is the main character, the voice. Uh, how Murray <laughs> saved Christmas. You would like it. It's, it's very funny. Um, so anyway, these are these are a few of the things that we have been watching. Well, we this, we, this we have almost no we have almost no traditions in this regard because uh, my two children are have almost no overlap in what they like to watch. My my younger daughter likes movies, and my older daughter doesn't. Just movies in general. Uh, my older daughter doesn't like to sit through a movie. Um, so uh, we Elf is the one thing that we have watched every year, but this year we had Elf on in the background while we, while we decorated the tree. So it wasn't like we were sitting as a family all cozy together. Um, and you know, I tried to get him into the Charlie Brown special and they were like, this is sad. Why are we it watching is. this? Um, so all the, all those types of things like they don't really get, and I, I have not been able to transfer them. I was starting to watch the new Will Ferrell Christmas movie, Spirited. Yeah, I wanted. Uh, which, I want to see that. I, I have not had a chance to watch it yet. I was. I was enjoying it. Uh, I was halfway through it, and it, you know, got too late. It was like, well, let's pick this up later. I was just watching it with, with my younger daughter, uh, and then I tried to get her to finish, and she was like, "Yeah, I didn't really like it." So, uh, if I'm going to see it, it's going to probably be with my wife at some point. Mm. You know, between now and New Year's, when we get a minute to ourselves. But I did. I. I, I was uh, liking I, it. it. It's. It's Christmas Carol. Uh, uh, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but it's essentially uh, an extension of Christmas Carol. That's on the list of, of I definitely want to see that. So I'm, I'm stoked. Um, oh, we should probably say if, if you like this kind of uh, back and forth, we are hoping, Bill and I are hoping. Now, as, as you know, we're going to go away for two weeks uh, from the DMZ. However, we're going to try to do a little video, a patrons only video between Christmas and New Year. Um, and we might kibitz about how our holidays went. Talk okay, a little Matt, bit okay, about okay. Matt. I, I, I hereby forbid you from using Yiddish. <laughs> you're not, you're not allowed. What is that just that's just your shtick? I'm not allowed. I'm schwitzing over here. Come on. Um, we will talk about the year that was 2022. Uh, we're gonna talk about what we learned 
this year, individually, collectively, may delve a little bit into uh, current events. Maybe something will be happening that that we will not get to talk about in the DMZ. There'll be some development. Maybe uh, Ron DeSantis will de- declare for president. Who knows? So. <laughs> Good Lord willing. Um, uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, had her announcement New Year's Eve uh, 2018. The last the last day of 2018 is when she had her exploratory committee announcement. So I'm going to pour uh, me I, a I beer. Do. Get me a beer. <laughs> what was it she said? I do. I do think the announcements are coming. Yeah. So anyway, uh, patreon.com slash billshare, patreon.com slash Matt Lewis. And if you have been supporting us all year, whether you watch that or not, thank you. We appreciate yes. it. Uh, thank you for your support. And even if you're not, thank you for watching us. Thank you for tweeting about us. Thank you for liking the videos, subscribing to the videos, uh, sharing them with a, telling a friend. It means a lot to us. It uh, keeps us going. And uh you know who else lights the menorah, Bill? Not just David Lee Roth, not just uh, Arthur Fonzarelli, but the guy I like to call Zelensky. And That's right. This is a segue. That's what they call in the business a, a <laughs> seamless segue to talk yeah. about. He came here, I think, in Churchillian fashion, Bill. You know, Winston Churchill came uh, to the United States and addressed Congress at Christmas time. And so has President Zelensky, um, but not without not without criticism, Bill. And there are people who are uh, mocking him and attacking him. And uh, where where are you on this? Are you are you one of them? I, I'm not one of them. Uh, I'm I'm I have I've not drunk the uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, Glenn Greenwald, Tulsi Gabbard Kool Aid, uh, and uh, turn anti Zelensky. Uh, but uh, I, I thought it was an historic moment. Um, now I don't, I can't say if it's going to have the uh, political impact that uh, they want in, in America. Now keep keep in mind that Zelensky already has the upper hand here. You know, we we are on the verge of passing a very large. Uh, spending package for Ukraine as part of the omnibus bill uh, because you have unanimity uh, or so you, you, you have consensus between Democrat leadership, Biden, Schumer, Pelosi, uh, and, and the caucus broadly, uh, and Mitch McConnell, the Republican Senate leader. Now you have some uh, uh, pockets of discontent uh, you, have, you have the far right faction in the House. You have the handful of people that were sitting on their hands or not clapping. You know, Lauren Boebert, um, Matt Gates, a few others, uh, and Kevin McCarthy. Uh, clearly, is sensitive to that. I don't know what's in his heart of hearts, but he's he makes sounds of we need to be more. We need more accountability. We need more oversight mm-hmm. of the spending. Well, um, I, I'm okay as long as that isn't like a red herring. I'm okay with it. I mean, there is corruption in Ukraine, and you just give people a blank check. I, I think we should give them a ton of money, but I'm not inherently opposed to uh, keeping an eye on what happens with it, as long as that's not like a fig leaf for not doing anything to help. Well, them. right, but, but I, I think the yeah. people pushing the argument uh, are doing it disingenuously. I mean, your point is correct. Like, you should always do your best to monitor where money's going. You know, this was a big deal in World War II. You know, Tr- Truman, you know, essentially salvaged his reputation. You know, he was seen as, you know, a hack from out of a corrupt machine. Missouri machine. Right. Uh, and he reformed himself as as more of a good government figure by leading the commission that was tracking where our money was going uh, and, and often being used inefficiently. You know who wrote about that really well? David McCullough, one mm-hmm. of the uh, one of the uh, we'll call him a conservative that that we lost in 2022. I just interviewed was he Tevi Troy. Was, was he was he was he genuinely conservative? I don't know about that. I just interviewed Tevi Troy, uh, my friend who's a presidential historian, and he did a piece for the Washington Examiner, and he you know, with caveats included him on the list of conservatives we lost. We've got, you know, it's PJ O'Rourke, 
Um, it's uh, uh, Lucianne Goldberg, um, a lot of names, but I think McCullough is deserves an asterisk at least. But um, but he did. I think he very much, very much helped uh, Harry Truman's reputation. Truman was not right. highly regarded. He was ranked very low. Um, and now I think his his reputation has continued to improve in recent I, decades. I agree. Um, so anyway, I, you can be for good accountability without being without using accountability as a smokescreen to cloak your op opposition to uh, being involved in the in in the effort. Uh, but you know the Josh Hawleys and the Bear and the Boberts and those folks. That's I don't think that's where they're coming from. I think they're coming from a disingenuous place. Uh, and I just think on its face the argument is stupid. Ukraine's winning. It's not like there's no, what's the argument that we're giving all this money and they don't need it and they're and they're like re redecorating their homes with it. You know, there's clearly well, I mean, I think being yeah, used I, mean, I, I think the, to, to feed Russians. Yeah. No, well, I think the big the bigger argument is is that we're going to make Vladimir Putin mad, um, and, and and that we you know, if we just let it that, alone, that, that, that's, not, that's not an accountability. That's not let's watch where the money's yeah. going. Or that is we shouldn't be their argument. And if that's your argument, fine, yeah. go make that. But the accountability thing is a total ruse if that's your underlying point. Right. I do think though to uh, to the segue that I made about Zelensky lighting the menorah. There is a something of a troubling narrative that is developing in some quarters on the right bill. And the notion is that Zelensky is anti-Christian. And part of the reason that this is being pushed is that in early December, uh, the Ukrainian government started cracking down and effectively trying to shut down the Russian Orthodox Church in Ukraine. Now, the reason they did this is it looks to be, according to Ukrainian authorities, at least, uh, the, the Russian Orthodox Church, which is one of the two, there's another Orthodox Church that's affiliated with the, uh, the uh, Archbishop, the, the, uh, it's technically in Turkey, but the, the Patriarchate of Constantinople, uh, which I guess is Greek Orthodox. Um, but in any event, it looks like this Russian Orthodox Church is sort of a fifth column operating inside Ukraine, basically a spy network and uh, advancing pro-Russian uh, Moscow propaganda. But in any event, I, I, regardless of the merits, I think it is it is dangerous if if we if this idea advances that Zelensky is anti-Christian and that he's cracking down on religious liberty and, and persecuting Christians in Ukraine, that obviously uh, would be a poison amongst the conservative movement. And you could see how that would, as Republicans take the House of Representatives, how that narrative could potentially really split the Republican coalition and the support that currently does exist for Ukraine. Right, so this was in the New York Times, uh, December 2nd. Uh, President Zelensky called for lawmakers to prevent the branch of the Orthodox Christianity that answers to Moscow from operating in Ukraine. Uh, the administration would draft a law, quote, making it impossible for religious organizations affiliated with centers of influence in the Russian Federation to operate in Ukraine, unquote. Zelensky said in a nightly video address. In addition, he directed the government to conduct an inquiry into the Ukrainian Orthodox Church and its ties to Moscow, quote, and if necessary, take measures provided for by law, unquote. We did not elaborate how, on how a new law would work and how it would be enforced. Several religious and legal scholars said it could face legal challenges, and without seeing more detail, they're not sure the government would proceed. Uh, Zelensky's plans may be popular with an increasingly anti-Russian populace, but they raise hard questions about what it means to be a collaborator in a nation at war and how a ban on the church would square with freedom of religion under the Ukrainian constitution. So, I mean, you can have a debate about the merits of, of, of the approach, but the place where it's coming from is not anti-Christianity, it's anti-Russia. Yeah. Uh, and if, yeah. if, if there are conservatives trying to use this as a way to smear Zelensky, again, it's disingenuous. Um, when you want to have an academic argument about what is what's what what's uh, freedom of speech and freedom of religion in a time of war, again, that's a 
interesting conversation to have. But if your goal is, I want to turn Americans against Zelensky because I don't agree with fighting Putin, and I think Putin should be allowed to occupy parts or all of Ukraine, you know, just be honest with what your what, what your argument is. I mean, right. so I let me read you. On that. Sorry, go on. Yeah, that, that's where I was going with this, Bill. My uh, my friend and former boss Tucker Carlson last night on his show, uh, he said this quote: "If you were a Republican office holder and Zelensky came to Washington, maybe you would for a moment." Ask him about his current and ongoing war against Christianity in Ukraine, especially if you were, say, Mitch McConnell or John Cornyn, and a lot of their own voters go to church on Sunday. Uh, he continued, quote, you will not hear a word on television tonight about the fact that Zelensky has banned an entire ancient Christian denomination in Ukraine and then seized churches and then thrown priests in jail. According to Mitch McConnell, who apparently hasn't left his office in the mid 80s since the mid 80s, uh, anti-Christian despotism is what most Republicans want above all. So, FYI I mean, on that. Tucker, Tucker had a part of his rant last night, and I, I, I don't watch Tucker, you know, regularly. Um, but I was a little curious about his reaction uh, to last night, and he had a he had a riff where he's he's accusing Zelensky of dragging America into a regime change plot to overthrow Putin and not, not simply to push Russia out of Ukraine's borders. Uh, and I think it was on to say, you know, well, what, what I mean, I'm not, and I'm not quoting here. Uh, what would happen if Putin was gone? What, what chaos would that ensue? What horrors would, would befall upon us if Putin was gone? And like, I mean, I'm not saying we should be, you know, pushing regime change here because that could spark, you know, a wider conflict. But I'm not going to be sad if Putin's gone. Like that's the, that's that's not a compelling yeah. argument to me. If you're trying to, if Tucker Carlson, you're trying to convince most Americans to not sign on Zelensky, and your argument is, what happens if poor Vladimir Putin goes away? Like that just strikes me as. A weird, a weird road to go down. Uh, yeah. But it does say where Tucker's head is at. I mean, he is trying to make you more sympathetic to Putin than you are to Zelensky. And Putin himself well, let me ask is trying you to. This. Sorry. I, I, let me ask you this because I, you know, obviously I have uh, a profound uh, philosophical differences with, you know, the Ron Paul sort of isolationist, whatever, nationalist, populist wing of the Republican Party as it exists today. That's no that's no surprise. Um, people I, I have seen people call this anti-Semitic. And, and, and what am I missing? Because no, I, I, I may not be as attuned to it as, as others. And but um, I see this as as sort of a transparent attempt to undermine Zelensky Obviously, as I noted, if you can portray Zelensky as anti-Christian, that that is very damaging when it comes to, um, you know, it's a wedge issue then for Republicans. But I'm not sure this is anti-Semitic. But what am I missing? Is is this anti-Semitic? Well, I mean, you could certainly say just if 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 you're if you're taking the charge that. Zelensky is uh, attacking Christianity by trying to close down these churches and locking up priests. Uh, yeah. Can you have that view and not be anti-Semitic? I guess so. Um, it does, it's, it's not literally saying that Jews are all Jews are bad and Christianity is better than Judaism. Um, but, but I mean, like, I would say that, like, if Saddam Hussein or Mubarak were persecuting Coptic Christians or something like you, you could you could say that without being anti-Semitic. Right. Because it could be you, true. Like, sure, you can. Um, but I think we should. And I am not even arguing that Tara Carlson is trying to pander anti-Semites here. I mean, I just think he's grasping for any straw he can to, you know, serve his worldview. Uh but let's also be aware, you know, that anti-Semitism is uh, becoming more prominent. I mean, these things go in cycles. It's not, sure. it's not like it ever goes away. But we literally have 
you know, some of those famous people in the world spouting anti-Semitism, you know, in, in plain view, not even, you know, cloaked in any way. Uh, and uh, you know that, that in anti-Semitic corners, they're going to take that sort of argument and graft anti-Semitism onto it. It's not hard to yeah. do. Well, if you're a hop, skip, and a jump away. Uh, there and- are some tropes about, I mean, Zelensky is kind of being portrayed by some on the right as like a charlatan or, you know what I mean? Or like, a, so maybe there are some overlapping tropes, but I just feel like the people that I've talked to who they clearly see anti-Semitism, and I'm not talking specifically about Tucker here, just some some of the stuff being pushed by the right against Zelensky. And I don't quite see it, but I'm open to the fact that maybe I'm just missing it. I mean, only in that uh, anyone who is Jewish being accused of trying to sniff out Christianity uh, is going to be a target for anti-Semites. Uh, so, I mean, look, when when George W. Bush was trying to rally the country and the world to oppose uh, radical uh, Islamist terrorism from the very, and I'm not saying I'm a huge George W. Bush fan and I agree with everything George W. Bush did because I'm not, but he was always cognizant from the very, very beginning that you better make darn clear that when you're saying that you're not painting a broad brush against all Muslims. So we always had rhetoric that tried to mitigate against people interpreting that the wrong way. And I'm not saying that it worked. At every, I mean, there, there was definitely a lot of anti-Muslim bigotry, hate crimes that occurred. Um, uh, but he at least had the knowledge to recognize there's a potential problem here that he should try to guard against. Uh, and you certainly don't see that kind of care being put into uh, uh, anyone on the anti-Zelensky uh, side of things, trying to make sure they're separating themselves uh, from anti-Semites. At least not that, not that I'm aware of. All right, Bill, you've, uh, when you mentioned George W. Bush, it triggered a memory that I had uh, of something that happened right after you and I taped last week, which is you were attacked by the Young Turks, right? By, by, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and I think it had something to do they played a video. They, you might not have even seen it, but they played a video and they said that like you were um, because you were critical of Bush. They mentioned back in the old days when you were like a left wing blogger and that you were critical of Bush back then. That's what reminded me of it. But but uh, tell us, uh, what was this controversy and has it is it in the rear view or is, are you still under attack? Oh, I'm not. I'm not being. I'm not being attacked for it right in this precise second. Um, well, let's let's but, get it going uh, again then. Let's let's re let's, <laughs> let's reinvigorate uh, this. You know, what's funny about the whole thing, and this is obviously a very abrupt segue from Ukraine. Um, but uh, this is when Cinema announced her becoming independent, and I had a thread that's. Uh, that basically, I mean, it, it, it wasn't even arguing that this is all the left's fault and poor, poor Kirsten Cinema is, is in the is being wronged here. Uh, I was clearly saying there's blame to go around on all sides at uh, the breakdown of the relationship between Cinema and the Democratic Party. Yeah. Um, but my my basic point was if you were somebody who was calling for primarying cinema and accusing her of not being a real Democrat, congratulations, you won. You you got your way. Um, but keep in mind that the last time this sort of thing happened with Joe Lieberman in 2006, when he, when he was primaried, he lost the primary and then stayed in the Senate winning as an independent, he became a much bigger dick because his, his basis was no longer tethered at all to the progressives in his state. This, this is not totally analogous because she didn't lose a primary. She's essentially jumping ship before the primary. Uh, but she's basically removing the progressive faction of the Democratic Party in Arizona in her base of support. And so she doesn't need to yeah. care to them By anymore. By the way, I don't know if you saw she... the latest. 
According to the Huffington Post, Democrats are not going to allow her to utilize their their database, their voter, their I guess Why we should, call it voter. Why should vault. they? She's not a Democrat. I mean, that's well, um, they might want to pretend that's a reasonable she is. response. What's that? I had a buddy. I had a friend of mine who uh, is sort of a nerdy kind of, you know, Steve kind of looked like Steve Jobs. And he had this uh, girlfriend picture Aunt Becky from from uh, uh, Family Matt. What was that show called with Uncle Jesse? Uh, Full House. Oh. Full House. That's it. Full House. Picture Aunt Becky. And I only, I only know this because I'm being forced to watch Fuller House right now. <laughs> well, I know you're a huge Candace Cameron uh, booster <laughs> and all of her cause. Um, but uh, so so he looks like Steve Jobs. His girlfriend looks like Aunt Becky from Full House, circa 1988. Um, and his philosophy was, I'm just going to pretend that this is my girlfriend. I'm going to act as if she's my girlfriend. Well, they're married now and have a kid. Um, and so if I were Democrats, I would act as if Kirsten Sinema is still a Democrat. It's like, we never got the memo. Sorry. But that's, not, but, that's, that's, but that's not, but that's not what, I mean, the whole reason why this is happening is, you know, the primary challenge is already afoot. Ruben Gago has been actively, you know, running, you know, in everything but name, you know, for over a year. Uh, the Arizona Democratic Party already censured her, you know, over the whole um, filibuster voting rights uh, brouhaha. Uh, so like clearly the relationship has already broken down. Um, so, so back to the whole young Turks thing. So anyway, this, this, yeah. this tweet got, you know, in the anti-cinema maelstrom, you know, in the Twitter sphere where, you know, here goes some guy from Politico is blaming the left. And it's always very annoying because like, like I'm not on Politico's payroll. I, I, I'm a freelancer who contributes to them sometimes. I have, I have, a, I have a contributor. I have a contributing writer title, but I'm not payroll. I don't speak for Politico. Uh, I don't even, and most of my primary work isn't even at Politico these days. That's always the go-to. But everyone's yeah. on the left is mad at me. Some Politico, this is what Politico is saying. Um, real, real clear and, politics would, would be presumably even more damning, Bill. Well, that's, I, you get that sometimes, but you know, it's rare <laughs> that someone says, look at this guy from the Washington Monthly. Where does he get off? Um, uh, so anyway... Uh, and so the whole thing was, was being framed as look at this, look at this jackass blaming the left. And pretty soon man, you're going to be known as the con- you're going to be known as the conservative voice on the DMZ from the conservative <laughs> perspective. Well, you well you well you are a rhino anyway, so it all it all evens <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, so wait, so this is just sort of usual Twitter, you know, nonsense. And then Jank at the Young Turks did it get to a whole. 10 minute segment about it as if like it was all framed upon political writer blames left the media is blaming the left because one guy on twitter had a really nuanced point that this was something that the left wanted to happen we yeah. always, they wanted it to happen they got it but it may backfire them in some way which is a wholly different point it's, it's not even about blame at all um just that larger they were, question they though, Bill this is- would occur is this attack on you anti-Semitic? Is this evidence that, <laughs> no, that, no, no, that this, that this conspiracy but, is, is much broader than we thought? <laughs> but the thing that Jenk did, which definitely, you know, gets under my skin, is because I know Jenk, Jenk knows me. Um, we were friendly in the old blogger days. He, he even had a Young Turks party in D.C. not too long ago that, I, that he invited me to. Um, so, uh, so to, to get attacked like that is, is always irritating with somebody, you know, uh, and he said, oh, well, Bill, you know, he used to be, you know, a progressive blogger in the Bush days. Uh, but, uh, but he knows where, how you get your bread buttered in Washington, you know, being a corporate shill. Right. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, I'm literally a freelancer who writes from my dining room table and I, and I and I did and I made a thread about, thread about this, you know, and I'm not trying to, you know, be a sob story or anything. This is just like the plain facts. I was work, I was a salaried blogger for a progressive organization for nearly ten years, uh, uh, and I when I was writing stuff that was you know contrarian as a freelancer, which I which I wasn't doing initially. I only started doing that partway through my tenure there. When I started doing that, you know, my bosses would kind of chide me about it, but they, they and I was 
and first worried that I would get fired because I was saying stuff that I knew that was not my boss's worldview. Uh, but they were like, yeah, you know, you're wrong, but, you know, you know, so be it. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing. You know, they didn't give me that big of a hard time about it. Uh, and then in 2016, uh, the ownership transferred to a different uh, uh, left-wing group who were not so keen on my uh, freelance writing, uh, which I only heard secondhand. Uh, but uh, lo and behold, six months later, I was fired uh, for no obvious for no obvious reason, no no stated reason. But obviously, I, I can put two and two together, uh, and uh, and I and I've been freelance ever since then. I've been freelance for the last five years, and my take home pay. I was working for a nonprofit before, so I was never rolling in it, man. I was never making six figures as a blogger for a progressive nonprofit, mind you. But My wife a has a cloth work. Republican coat, but we're not giving away checkers. <laughs> as a freelancer, I'm making uh, at best a third of what I was making before. Uh, so so Jake Lee accused me of being corporate subsidized, which is just factually untrue. We are uh, user subsidized at patreon.com slash Bill Share. Hook a brother because up. It, because it, 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 it still can't, like it just to make this not about me and like my, my, my sad career, uh, but it speaks to the worldview on some people on the left, which you would think would have been, would have matured by now. But yet there's still a sense of if you hold a view that is not party line, progressive on every single thing it must be because you're bought and paid for it couldn't well, be do you think some different they, wait, about do them. you think they do you think they sincerely believe that or is this just a cudgel they will use against i don't know i don't care <laughs> um but this jake who i have to assume is making a lot more money than me <laughs> With, with, he brags about it. he's like the biggest social media kingpin with all these subscribers blah 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 i mean he, he certainly has more youtube hits than you or i get matt um so now wait a minute I, there bill <laughs> i'm pulling in three figures from youtube every month come on so you're telling me that i'm the big giant sellout uh just because they're a different opinion than you, when when you were doing you were doing demagogic things on a regular basis, which clearly make money. You make more money being a demagogue sometimes than you do being a boring centrist. Sometimes, um, <laughs> come on! It's nowadays it's 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 most of the time. And wait, wait, we're extra super duper galling about this, and forgive me for you know betraying you know, my emotions. Just this past year. Jake endorsed Rick Caruso for LA May over Karen Bass. He endorsed the corporate millionaire businessman over the Democrat because he hates the Democratic Party establishment so much. They wanted to give them what for. Um, so, so because like you said that, this is going to start a big war. And this video is going to now be seen by millions and the whole world <laughs> is going to think I'm somebody who dresses like this on a daily <laughs> basis. It all comes together. This is what the plan was, Matt. I lured you into <laughs> ugly Christmas sweater episode just so I'm gonna get I up to a whole bunch of Matt Lewis memes. I'm going to get up to, to, to upper. Well, Bill, all, all this talk about uh, this controversy could uh, could bump me up into not just three digits on YouTube, <laughs> but the upper three digits. So, thank you. I, uh, let's attack people more often on this <laughs> on this platform. Um, I, I know we got we got off track, but uh, we should talk about George Santos. I think before we yes. we uh, end twenty twenty two here in the DMZ. Um, Another tweet of mine that went that went oddly viral. Uh, it's one of those things where I, I happened to catch it early in the morning and had a kind of quick reaction to it. And I think just because I was one of the first people reacting to it, I get kind of caught on. But when I saw the story in the Times about all of his uh, pathological lying about his about his background, uh, I said, "This is a colossal failure of journalism 
and opposition research for this to uh, have come out a month after uh, the election. And I immediately felt a little bit bad about the tweet, you know, one, because I thought the piece that published was a very well done piece. It was very good journalism that was just published. Uh, it just was late. Um, and, you know, I didn't know exactly for sure what happened on the oppo research front. And I learned after the tweet that the Democrats, the, the DCCC did an 87 page oppo dump on him, which, you know, didn't stress, didn't have all of that stuff that was in the Times piece. Did have some of it, and but it, it was you know it was it was a, it's a literal dump of a memo. It's just like here's everything, you know. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't it doesn't weave much of a narrative, and it didn't really stress the lying part as it did the MAGA part. Right. Um, and so there was there were some people in my thread saying you know why are you making this about Democrats? This should be about the media. This should be about Republicans. Uh, I'm going to get you all these things, but. Uh, but certainly, I mean, everyone involved in this should be looking at what what do we do wrong here, so we don't make these makes make these mistakes again. Uh, yeah, and, well, and, and for really those good... who don't know, Sorry, and I assume everyone watching this knows, but I don't think you told the story. Basically, this this guy got elected to Congress um, based on what appear to be a completely fraudulent resume. I mean, it's unclear where he got his money. We just found out that he was married to a woman before. He's the first openly gay Republican to be elected. We didn't know he was married to a woman before. That just the Daily Beast reported that. Um, there's a whole bunch of pretty much everything. He claims claim, claim to be Jewish. He claims to be Jewish. Right. And <laughs> Jewish background. Everything in his bio is now called into question or uncorroborated. I mean, I'm giving it. I'm portraying this in the most, I think, favorable possible light. And um, it didn't really, it wasn't really litigated in, in the campaign. I wonder how much of this is the result of the death of local media. I don't know. He's in somewhere oh. in New York. And, and, there um, was, if, and there was some local journalism. I mean, there is local media. They did get some of these threads, uh, but it never, re but they, they didn't get, they didn't get all of it. Uh, right. So like I, so I ran, I ran a congressional campaign in North Dakota in uh in 2004 okay and i and back then um the the bismarck tribune the fargo forum uh the grand forks herald were incredibly powerful everybody read them and i can guarantee you if my candidate had any like it would have been completely discovered and he would have been drummed out of the race within a week if this had been um the well, case i mean, I mean where I live, uh, a few years back, there was a candidate for sheriff that was not honest about uh, his academic resume, and that got caught by the local paper. Uh, and you know what made I, mean, I, I think you have a confluence of events in this case. So this is a uh, New York City, Long Island district. So it's Nassau, Nassau County, and Queens. So you're in the biggest media market in the country. Uh, so there's some, you know, local Queens, Long Island media, but you're, you're really dominated by New York Times, the news, New York Post, you know, the local TV stations and so forth that have a gazillion stories to write about every single day. And so uh, it's harder to, and, and even these bigger operations don't have unlimited resources. So they clearly didn't put their resources into Let's do the basic background check on every single congressional candidate or down ballot candidate running in the New York City metropolitan area. That's a lot of candidates. Uh, so I'm sure that played a role here. Uh, and Democrats, they're doing op, you know, DCCC is doing oppo on hundreds of candidates. And, and this was actually in an op ed piece by a Dem oppo researcher in the New York Times that just came out today. And you know, he, he wasn't involved in this race, but he was. It's speculating with some you know, professional expertise that it was a logical con conclusion for Democrats to draw that hey, we got all this MAGA stuff on this guy. <laughs> we yeah. got abortion that's stuff on this the guy. Get, is. Right. I mean, they, that's what's which was move a, the needle. Yeah. Which did in a lot of races. So it's, it wasn't like a ridiculous conclusion to draw. It was, that was the right bet in a whole lot of places. Uh, and this really weird thing happened in the New York City suburban area 
Republicans did unusually well, uh, largely based on crime arguments, which didn't really translate in the rest of the country. But and you know, Trump, Patrick Maloney, who's the D-trip head that lost his Hudson Valley race, he argued that it's not even just a question of redistricting that that, that failed us. It was that Rupert Murdoch, New York, New York Post, Fox News panicked the suburbanites over crime to such a ridiculous degree they dragged us all down. Uh, and and so maybe if you could have gotten out that this guy is just a straight up liar, maybe that would have overcome that yeah. dynamic. But they didn't they just didn't see it coming. They didn't they, they didn't see how, how how dire and how unique their predicament was in this yeah. particular area of the country. <laughs> so you have a lot of a lot of factors coming in here. I would um, say Bill but I th- yeah. yeah. One other thing I would point out, and we probably we probably shouldn't go too much longer. Um, but one other thing I would point out is I think that this is evidence of a culture of corruption or incompetence, whatever, a culture in the Republican Party that that not only um, is going to now have to defend this guy and seat him as a congressman because they have such a narrow uh, majority in the House, but that it serves as a magnet for people like this, like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, you know, two years ago, elected in Georgia, when I used to do campaigns in the olden days, we had people like her. They didn't get elected. They were they came and volunteered and people would be like, OK, we'll let her in the basement stuffing envelopes. You know, don't even let her go door to door. We don't want anybody talking to her. God knows what she might say. And and I think that the Republican Party today is attractive to people like George Santos. And and I that so the character Remember how Mitch McConnell talked about the sort of character issues or deficiency, candidate candidate quality, I guess was the word. Um, candidate quality is going to be an ongoing problem for the Republican Party in the new well, year. Well, this guy, this guy won. I mean, candidate quality made them lose a lot of races. They won this one. I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's an exception. And I think it really, I, I don't think it really had to do with the quality of the candidate. But I, and I, no, but I Trumpism is a magnet for sketchy people who might otherwise not think they could run for office and win. They have been given a permission structure. And I think that this is indicative of a culture problem on the right to some degree. You've no argument for me there. Uh, what I don't, I, I, I'm ignorant about this. I don't know how he got the nomination. He, he had no primary challenger. Um, so he was, uh, the primary he ran was before. Canceled. I believe he ran right. and he ran, lost right. two years ago. Correct, correct. Uh, so I don't know if the people in the party knew this guy was sketchy and thought, who cares, or they just didn't know. And he was the one guy who raised his hand. So we got it. I know there was one quote, uh, I think one of the, I think one of the local papers that said, you know, we don't want to touch this guy with a 10 foot pole. Now they did touch him. He did, he did get some national money. Uh, but there, there seemed to be some sense this guy wasn't, you know, you know, at, at, at a proper level of, of quality. Um, but I don't know the full story of, of the Republican side of how he got to where he is. But the thing, and like, I don't want to be a total, you know, armchair quarterback because look, I think the Democrats got some stuff on them. They, they, they certainly got enough on him. I and mean, you, you do the oppo dumps as a prompt. You, you, say, you basically go to the press and say, look, we 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 did the first cut here. We found this. Maybe you should look at this and, and see what you can do with it. I mean, it's not to try to dictate and like write the story for them. But if you if you find out something, you pass it over, and they they should do their own due diligence and yeah. see if it checks out uh, on, on using journalistic you know methods and fairness. Um, and uh, it doesn't seem like it was all pursued robustly by the bigger organizations. Uh, and the thing that I find most galling is, I mean, like this is this is sort of journalism one hundred and one stuff. You check the basic resume. Like it, it's some things might be harder to find in the uh, chaos of a campaign. You know, some things just take deep dive reporting, and maybe you just don't get you, you don't hit pay dirt in time. Like that's not the fault of journalism because some journalism is just hard to do. Did this guy go to the college that he said he went to? That's the easy stuff. That's just calling the college. Did he go here? 
And that seemed to have not been done until after the election. Like that to me Indeed. is actual journalism failure. All right. Well, we probably should leave it there. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We probably won't see you again uh, until... Unless, uh, unless you're until a Patreon the, supporter. If you're a Patreon supporter, good Lord willing, we will put together one more video exclusively for you. A special thank you. Um, check out my podcast with Tevi Troy, where we talk about the conservatives we lost in 2022. Um, Bill, anything you'd like to promote or shamelessly plug? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, I, I should have a piece in Real Clear Politics tomorrow about cinema. And I'm not even being all the nice to cinema uh, because I'm not paid for by any, by any corporation. I can say what I want when I want to say it. Um, uh, I had a piece of the Washington Monthly because the Monthly is, is also a nonprofit and does fundraising. And so I have a fundraising piece up there, which is not just a boring fundraising piece. It's about how ideas uh become influential uh and i do think I like the monthly that. is a though if you if you do read the monthly the printer or the website like it's a very ideas heavy publication and i'm i'm, I'm hardly the biggest ideas person i'm some I'm, I'm, I'm a political hack um but their their bread and butter is ideas and ideas have you know, consequences it, bill i think i read but that in, somewhere in, but in, in the social media universe you know like Meaty ideas often aren't the things that get traction in our in our daily conversation, and they and they, I think ideas are becoming harder to find, and and engage with and promote. Uh, so if you're a person who wants to see like what are the latest and greatest ideas out there that deserve more sunlight and 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 attention, uh, I think the monthly is a great publication to subscribe to and donate to. Um, so there's that piece, and uh, next week I should be having my annual mega look at the 2024 candidates for Politico. Literally, I've, for the last four years, I've written about 2024 presidential candidates and how their past years have been. Uh, so this is the latest and greatest. Uh, it should be coming out next week. Awesome. We'll check that out. Uh, thank you, everyone, for another great year. I don't know how many years we've been doing this, but uh, it's a lot. Uh, thank you, Bill Share. And uh, we'll see you back here next week in the DMZ. Merry Christmas to you, Matt. And to you, my friend.